0: Luke 21, we come here to a passage of scripture which for some people um, strikes fear into them. Uh, to be honest, I quite, I, I enjoy passages like this even though they deal with, with hard and fearful topics because in the end we find great encouragement here. We find a great part of God for his people. Uh, when is Jesus going to come back? I've heard that question a lot in 2020. Uh, people all all around saying, surely Jesus must be coming back this year because it can't get much worse than we've seen in 2020. And it's a good question. It's a a Bible question even. Uh, It's a good question though when we don't ask it with an escapist mentality. So a lot of people ask that question, oh Jesus, when are you going to come back? Because we just want to get out of the trouble. We just want to be out of a world where there is... Trouble and difficulty and pain around us where we're surrounded by sin and we have this sort of escapist attitude of if Jesus comes back, then this all goes away and I can just be out of it. It is a good question, though, when we ask it for the right reason, that is, when is God's glory going to be seen? When are we going to see God's great purpose come to its end and see the righteous fulfillment of his purpose? And we've seen that this whole text we're looking through and making our way through began with the disciples asking that very question. When are you bringing your kingdom, Jesus? When is it coming? So Jesus is laying out here uh, the, the timing, if you will, a little bit, or this, this space between his comings of what's going to, to happen, because this is something they weren't familiar with they hadn't seen they were expecting when the messiah came his kingdom came with him immediately and jesus is saying it's going to be a little wait there is a little wait before the kingdom will come and this is what it will look like as we've made our way through this and what jesus has said about when his kingdom will come and the signs of the times we've seen a, a couple of interesting topics here we've seen the the false teachers that would arise and the antichrist and we do need warning about those, and we've seen uh, Jesus talk about the the rise of natural disasters and and various things like that. And often those first two topics, um, Christians like to, to delve into those in in many ways because they hold a lot of interest and curiosity. So we you know, we can we look at the world and say, oh, we can see the the earthquakes and we can see all the things happening around the world. Or yet you know, we can see the rise of false teachers and the 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 fake and charlatan Christians and churches all over. We can see that coming in. It gives us interest and curiosity in those questions. And then we come to topics like today, which we'll read in just a moment. And when we come to the topic like today, it gets very personal. It's not just theory and it's not just about curiosity or interest or knowing what's going to happen. We read here that the end times and what's happening in these last days is going to get very personal it is going to affect each and every one of us so let's read our text this morning we'll start in verse 10 just to put it into its context and read through verse 19 says then jesus said to them nation will rise against nation and kingdom against kingdom and there will be great earthquakes in various places and famines and pestilence and there will be fearful signs and great signs from heaven." But before all these things, they will lay their hands on you and persecute you, delivering you up to the synagogues and prisons. You will be brought before kings and rulers for my name's sake. But it will turn out for you as an occasion for testimony. Therefore, settle it in your heart, not to meditate beforehand on what you will answer. For I will give you a mouth and wisdom which all your adversaries will not be able to contradict or resist. You will be betrayed even by parents and brothers, relatives and friends, and they will put some of you to death. And you will be hated by all for my name's sake. But not a hair of your head shall be lost. By your patient, by your patience, possess your souls. Let's ask God's blessing on His Word, our heavenly Father. is we come now into Your Word, put our attention here. Uh, we come to part which is particularly personal and even in some ways frightful we ask dear god though that as we look at this we will see the great encouragement and strength that you give in these words thank you and praise you in the name of jesus our savior amen so here we are we come to this next section where jesus gives us the next part or a little more information about what the last days are going to look like. That is, what is it going to look like between the time of Jesus' first coming, when he then ascends into heaven, and when he returns again to bring his kingdom and to bring righteousness and justice? Of course, has the false teachers, and it has the, the disasters, as the earth itself is groaning under sin. But then we come here and Jesus says that there is going to be uh, this time is going to be characterized by an increasingly outright hatred of of God. But as the time for Christ's kingdom approaches, the hatred of God will be exposed and be clear and right out before us, and this outright hatred of God which increases through the years leads to the persecution of God's people. This is the hard part. And if we're we're truthful here, this this part is one which We here in Australia have largely been sheltered from for a while. We have not had to endure uh, persecution like many of our brothers and sisters have around the world and in other places, but it will come. We can see it already. It's breaking the horizon. But Jesus helps us here understand, though difficult, the persecution of his people is not to be feared. In like fact, Jesus has spoken these words or this kind of encouragement several times through his ministry. And again, in just a few nights from here, he will remind them again. We'll refer to that in a moment about the need to trust him in these times of difficulty. So firstly, as we think tonight I want to, or this morning, I want to think firstly of this idea to stand up for Jesus in the last days, in these times that we live in, we need to stand up for Jesus. Is what Jesus tells us very clearly here is that persecution will come. Persecution will come. Verse 12, which is where our main focus of text begins this morning, it says, But before all these things, they will lay their hands on you and persecute you, delivering you up to the synagogues and prisons. So he said, look, there's going to be these antichrists arise and these false teachers arise and they're going to infiltrate the church. And he says there's going to be a rise in natural disasters and wars and all of these things. He says, but before you see any of that, before any of that starts to rise, they're going to start to persecute you. This is the first sign of the last days. The first sign of the last days is the persecution of God's people. It will come quickly, Jesus says. It will come quickly. I mean, we've seen how quickly the false teachers arise through the New Testament. Jesus was right. The persecution came very quickly before they could notice any of the false teachers rising and going through, which they did quickly, and before they could notice whether anything was happening to the earth differently than when Jesus left, before any of that was possible, within days, persecution was already upon them. Persecution began with the Jews, which is why he begins here and says that they'll bring you up to the synagogues. So the synagogue just wasn't the place of worship, but was also the, the court of, for the Jews. They would bring them before the courts and put them in prison, and this would be done by the Jews. A quick reading through the book of Acts tells you how quickly this happened. By Acts chapter 4, Jesus ascends chapter, chapter 1, the uh, church is empowered, and all in, in chapter 1 chapter 2. By Acts chapter 4, the Jews are already threatening the apostles. Acts four seventeen, they threaten them not to preach in the name of Jesus anymore and send them on their way. And the threatening gets more intense. So it begins with threats. Do not preach in the name of Jesus. Not long after they threatened them there, you can read all this through Acts chapter 4, not long after they threatened them, they take Peter and John and put them in prison again. And they're imprisoned yet again, just quickly right after that happens And then in Acts chapter 5, we find it's now progressed not just from uh, threatening and not just to imprisoning, but now in Acts chapter 5 and verse 40, we read, And they agreed with him, and when they had called for the apostles and beaten them, they commanded that they should not speak in the name of Jesus and let them go. So very quickly, we go from... The church being started, Jesus ascending and and empowering the Holy Spirit coming, the Jews start to threaten, and the threatening gets more intense, and then they start to imprison, and right on the heels of the imprisonment then comes the beatings. The beatings follow very, very quickly after that. The persecution continues to escalate, and escalate very, very quickly, so that by the time we get to Acts chapter 7... We find uh, in Acts chapter 7, the first Christian martyr, Stephen. It says in Acts chapter 7, verse 57, Then they cried out with a loud voice, stopped their ears, and ran at him with one accord. And they cast him out of the city and stoned him. And the witnesses laid down their clothes at the feet of a young man named Saul. And they stoned Stephen as he was calling on God and saying, Lord Jesus, receive my spirit. Then he knelt down and cried out with a loud voice, Lord, do not charge them with this sin. And when he had said this, he fell asleep. So in a very short space of time, we go from Jesus leaving, threatenings, the threatenings increase to imprisonings, the prisonings increase to beatings, the beatings very soon become killing. Persecution came very quickly, Jesus was right In Acts chapter 8, we read the end of Acts chapter 7 there, but then in Acts chapter 8, we find just how intensely this grows and how quickly this grows. In Acts chapter 8 and verse 1, it says, Now Saul was consenting to his death, that is the death of Stephen. At that time, a great persecution arose against the church, which was at Jerusalem. And they were all scattered throughout the regions of Judea and Samaria, except the apostles and devout men, carried Stephen to his burial and made great lamentation over him as for Saul he made havoc of the church entering every house and dragging off men and women committing them to prison so now it's not just one or two it's not just the apostles but now they're in everywhere If you know the story of of Saul's life, who becomes Paul, at the point where he becomes Paul, he is on his way outside of Jerusalem now to spread the persecution to the rest of the world. It quickly moves. It's interesting, we read Acts chapter 8, and we see that this man Saul is the one who wreaks havoc in the church on one of his journeys. You can read about it in Acts chapter 9. He is saved by the glorious grace of God. And as it turns out, Paul, who he changes his name to, then becomes on the receiving end of this persecution. In 2 Corinthians 11, he says, From the Jews, five times I received 40 stripes minus one. Three times I was beaten with rods, and once I was stoned. Persecution was a characteristic of Christianity well before the end of the first century. So even before the fall of Jerusalem, which we'll get to in a few weeks, which was A.D. 70, so somewhere in in the range of 65 to 69 uh, A.D., we have these words recorded for us in Hebrews. Others were tortured, not accepting deliverance that they might obtain a better, better resurrection. Still others had trial of mockings and scourgings, yes, and of chains and imprisonment. They were stoned, they were sawn in two, were tempted, were slain with the sword. They wandered about in sheepskins and goatskins being destitute, afflicted, tormented, of whom the world was not worthy. They wandered in deserts and mountains, in dens and caves of the earth. This all within within the, a couple of decades of Christ leaving. How quickly the persecution began came. It came quickly, but it will also come or stay persistently. Comes persistently. The persecution, see, uh, Jesus tells us here that it be, would begin in the synagogues and, and the prisons with the Jews. But then he continues, as says, you will be brought before kings and rulers for my name's sake. So the persecution would then spread outside of the Jews. It would no longer just be the Jews persecuting the Christians, but then it would become the world persecuting the Christians and once the the Jews started then it would continue under the Roman Empire Acts chapter 16 we see Paul is imprisoned in Philippi by the Romans for preaching the gospel though Jesus words here are directed primarily to the apostles the truth has continued through the ages Like the pains of birth, which we've seen in other aspects here, they seem to increase through the ages. Quickly, in AD 64, Nero is ruler of Rome. A fire breaks through Rome, and because he is hated, he tries to blame the fire on the Christians, and they become persecuted in Rome. He himself has Christians persecuted in his own courtyards. The next uh, ruler of Rome, Domitian, would have the, the persecution spread outside of Rome itself and reach into Asia Minor, which is where John, the apostle, would be exiled to the island of Patmos, and it would also seem that Antipas, who was probably a pastor in that area, was killed also. Following Domitian was Trajan. Under Trajan, the persecution was slightly less, but the great church father, Ignatius, was martyred under Trajan. Then comes Marcus Aurelius, the most famous martyr under his rule, though there were many, is Justin Martyr. Following him is Decius, and with Decius the persecution spreads empire-wide. So not just in pockets and not just in Rome, but it spreads throughout all of the empire. Then comes Diocletian in 303 AD. His was by far the most violent persecution of the Christians, spreading throughout the great kingdom. After him, there is a temporary ending of the persecution under Constantine with the Edict of Milan in 313 AD. But that only shifted the persecution to a different place, From there, the Roman Empire is no longer the main pusher of the persecution, but from there and through the Middle Ages, the Roman Catholic Church will be the persecutor of the genuine Christians throughout the world, killing thousands. Thousands since have been killed under communism and Islam and secularism. It is estimated that through the centuries, 70 million Christians have been martyred Two-thirds of those, so two-thirds of that number, 70 million, have been martyred since 1900. So the largest percentage of martyrs in Christianity has happened in the last 200 years. Since 1990, more than 100,000 Christians are killed every year. Persecution came quickly, and it came persistently. And it seems only to be increasing, growingly increasing. Why? Why the persecution? Because the world hates Jesus. Jesus reminds us here on two points in his his statements here in verse 12 and verse 17 that the reason we will be persecuted is for his name's sake. God's people are persecuted because they don't like Jesus. Why are we persecuting? It has nothing why are we persecuted? It has nothing to do with us. The persecution doesn't have really to do with the people of God, it has to do with Jesus. On the last night, so just a few a, a night or two away from where we are here in Luke 21, Jesus speaks to his disciples before he's going to die. And in John chapter 15. And verse 18, he says, if the world hates you, you know that it hated me before it hated you. If you were of the world, the world would love its own. Yet because you are not of the world, but I chose you out of the world, therefore the world hates you. Remember the word that I said to you, a servant is not greater than his master. If they persecuted me, they will also persecute you. If they kept my word, they will keep yours also. But all these things they would do to you for my name's sake, because they do not know him who sent me. If I had not come and spoken to them, they would have no sin. But now they have no excuse for their sin. He who hates me hates my father also. If I had not done among them the works which no one else did, they would have no sin. But now they have seen and also hated both me and my father. Why do they hate Jesus? Because Jesus exposes who we are. Jesus reveals our sin. Persecute Jesus because he exposes the truth of who we are. When you see Jesus, you see your sin. And because they don't like Jesus, but they can't see Jesus, they don't like those that look like Jesus. That's why it affects us. Because the world does not like Jesus, they don't like those that look like Jesus. Because not only do we proclaim Jesus' message, we also pursue to live like Jesus. To become more like him. Paul says in 1 Corinthians 11 verse 1, imitate me as I imitate Christ. That's why we're so often called judgmental or self-righteous or hypocrites. Because we're pursuing not to be like what we were, but pursuing to be like Christ. Our lives have been transformed to look like Christ. We live as lights in a dark world. Matthew, Jesus tells us in chapter 5, verse 16, Let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works and glorify your Father in heaven. That is, when people see you, they should see God. And we know that when people see God, they see their sin, and when they see their sin, they are filled with hatred. So stand up for Jesus. Why? He will stand up for you. He will stand up for you, Verse 13 of our text in Luke chapter 20 continues, But it will turn out for you as an occasion for testimony. Therefore, settle it in your hearts, not to meditate beforehand on what you will answer, for I will give you a mouth and wisdom which all your adversaries will not be able to contradict or resist. You will be betrayed even by parents and brothers, relatives and friends, and they will put some of you to death and you will be hated by all for my name's sake but not a hair of your head shall be lost Don't worry about the persecution Don't worry about the persecution the temporal pain brings eternal gain Jesus says in verse 13 but it will turn out for you as an occasion for your testimony Second Timothy chapter one, verse eight, Paul says, "Therefore do not be ashamed of the testimony of our Lord, nor of His prisoner, but share with me in the sufferings for the gospel according to the power of God." Persecution isn't easy to endure, and Jesus isn't saying it will be, and never expects that it will be. In fact, what he tells us here is the persecution that will come on Christians will hurt deeply. It will be deeply painful, and not just physically. It's not just about the physical, whether you're killed or, or tortured. It goes beyond the physical pain. In verse 16, he says, You will be betrayed even by parents and brothers, relatives and friends, and they will put some of you to death. It says, Those you love, those you long to see saved, may even turn against you. So, Jesus is not trying to paint it over. When he says that don't be afraid of it, he's not saying it's going to be easy, but rather he's saying it's going to be deeply painful, terribly painful, physically, emotionally. But what Jesus is reminding us here is he's reminding us to look beyond our suffering, look beyond the pain. Like everything, God can use our suffering for eternal good, for all things work together for good to those who love God, to those who are called according to his purpose. Your suffering for Christ becomes a testimony of Christ. Your suffering for Christ amplifies your voice. It makes your voice for Christ louder. Christian apologist Tertullian wrote of the martyrdom of Christians and the persecution of Christians this way. He says, The oftener we are mown down by you the more in number we grow. The blood of Christians is seed. It, is, it spreads. It grows. And this is exactly what happened to the early church. Rome in, in, in uh, sorry, Acts chapter 8, when we, we read of, of Paul or Saul at the time persecuting the church, it says as he persecuted them, they spread through the whole world preaching the gospel. The gospel went with them. So Jesus reminds us here in verse 14, therefore settle it in your hearts not to meditate beforehand on what you will answer. To set your mind on other things. Persecution is part of the Christian life. It's part of being a Christian and it will increasingly be a part of our life. But Jesus doesn't want you to spend your time fearing it or fearing how you're going to handle it. He doesn't want you to spend your time going, what will happen if I get captured or if I get persecuted? Will I keep my faith? Will, will I say the right thing? Will I have the right words? He doesn't want you wasting your life worrying about what's going to happen in the end. So settle in your heart right now. Settle in your mind right now. I'm not going to worry about that. I'm not going to think about that. I'm not going to be bothered about what's going to happen if I get persecuted or when I get persecuted for Jesus Christ. Don't worry about what you'll say or what you'll do. When the time comes to stand up for Christ, he will stand with you. John chapter 15, read before in verse 26 and 27, it says, but when the helper comes whom i shall send to you from the father the spirit of truth who proceeds from the father he will testify of me you also will bear witness because you have been with me from the beginning don't live in fear of the end live this life with courage live for today pursue christ preach christ Stand with Paul and say, for I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it is the power of God to salvation for everyone who believes, for the Jew first and also for the Greek, because Jesus will protect you. Jesus will protect you. Verse 17 says, and you will be hated by all for my name's sake, but not a hair of your head shall be lost. God will not lose you. No matter what you endure, no matter what kind of persecution you face, no matter what happens before us, whether it's here or anywhere in the world, it does not matter. God will be with you. He's not saying you won't know pain. So this isn't saying you won't die. Saying you won't be lost. Saying he will never lose you. You are secure in him. He will be with you in every moment to the very end. He uses this little saying, this little statement in verse 18, but not a hair of your head shall be lost. The idea of the hair of your head is simply to give us a picture that the most insignificant part of your body, it's small, it's just hair, you can live without hair, it's not really an important part of who you are. He says, but the most insignificant part of your body, not even that Will be lost. He will not let one part of you, one aspect be lost. He will not lose you. He has provided the Holy Spirit to be with you to the end. If you have time, and not if you have time, say, make the time to read books like Fox's Book of Martyrs. Some of the old books of, of the martyrs through the centuries, there's even current ones which speak of, of the more recent martyrs for Jesus Christ. And you read how these people stood in the end, what happened in the last moments of their life. And they have remarkable strength and remarkable courage, saying remarkable things because God was with them to the very end, to the very end, like Stephen who could stand there being stoned, pray to God asking for forgiveness and seeing the glory of God. He will not let you be lost. John 10 verse 28, and I give them eternal life and they shall never perish. Neither shall anyone snatch them out of my hand. True believers can't be lost true believer can't lose. You believe in Jesus Christ, you cannot lose. No matter which way it goes, you cannot lose. It's like Paul said, for me to live is Christ and to die is gain. To live here is to live for Christ. To proclaim him, to light the way for others to see and know Christ. To leave this world is to be with Christ. There is no downside. It's all up for the believer. Sure, there might be some pain, but there is no downside. Some are afraid of dying, but not the Christian. We know what's beyond death. Some are afraid of how they will die, but not the Christian. We recognize what pain we endure here is light affliction, compared to the glory that awaits. Paul said it like this in 2 Corinthians 4, For our light affliction, which is but for a moment, is working for us a far more exceeding and eternal weight of glory. Don't live this life with a siege mentality. That is, the world's out to get us. Live this life with eternal perspective. We have one opportunity to serve Christ in this life. Don't waste it fretting about how it will end. Persevere to the end. This is one reason why the gathering together and being part of a church is so important. In John chapter 15, which we referred to a couple of times this morning just before Jesus is about to to remind them of the persecution that will come and the strength that they will have in the persecution, before he enters into that, he gives them these words. These things I command you, that you love one another. Before he speaks to them about the persecution that comes, he prefaces his words with love one another. As we love one another, we strengthen and we encourage each other to live fully for Christ in this world to stand up for Jesus together. In a world which hates Jesus and which turns that hate onto the people of God, we need to love one another. Stand up for Jesus with me and I'll stand up for Jesus with you. And he is standing with us. Let's pray. Our Heavenly Father, we thank you for the encouragement that you give us. You never gloss over the hard parts and paint a rosier picture than what they really are to impress us or to ease us in. You give us the truth. You tell us that to be a person of God, to be a child of God, has bountiful blessings, but also brings with it difficulty and persecution but you are quick to remind us that you are never away from us. You will not lose us. You will give us strength to the very end, and then we will see glory. So help us, dear God, as we look into our world now, we see in our own society persecution on the horizon. Prepare us for it strengthen us to the task dear god help us not to worry about it but to trust you and to proclaim your name in this world thank you and praise you for these things in the name of jesus christ our savior amen